0: I'll start with a quiz so here it goes can anyone remember the name of the person that was nailed to the cross that first Good Friday can anybody remember the name now right now there is a wave of uncertainty going across the room because you think this is a trick question don't you can anyone remember yes it was Jesus That's right. So all the grown-ups now can breathe a sigh of relief. That was actually the answer. Okay, we'll just keep the quiz going, shall we? Can anybody remember the names of the men who nailed Jesus to the cross? Anybody remember the names of the men who nailed Jesus to the cross? No. Nobody knows their names because you won't find them in the Bible, you won't find them in any document from the ancient world. Okay, let's keep it going. Can anyone remember the name of their boss? The one who ordered Jesus to be nailed to the cross. Pontius Pilate. Thanks very much, Andrew, at the back. Pontius Pilate, or Pontius the Pilate. I used to think of him as goo. I hadn't realized that was actually his name, not his job. Pontius Pilate, yeah. Now, we remember him because he's named in the Bible, and he's named in the Bible because he's the villain. We only know his name because he was so evil. He wasn't just a bad guy in nailing Jesus to the cross or telling his oppos to do it. He did lots of other stuff as well that you can read about in history. Okay. Let's keep it going. Can anybody remember the name of his boss the emperor of Rome at the time of the crucifixion this is a tough one isn't it can anybody remember the name of course you can't Isaac well he was, that was his title for, for Caesar for them was like the, like the name king so it's a bit like saying, was it king? It, it, it was, he was called Caesar, that was his title. But his personal name, you can't remember, can you? Okay, this is the last question, and just, just, uh, just to sort of finish this off. Can anyone remember the names of the three most powerful people on earth at the time that Jesus was crucified on the first Good Friday? Can anyone remember their names? know. We don't know their names. So here's an interesting thing, right? That the most powerful people on earth have been completely forgotten and at the same time, the most powerless person on earth at that moment, the one whose arms were stretched wide, the one whose Wrists or hands were nailed to the cross and feet were nailed to the cross. His name everybody knows and his name no one will ever forget. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And that gives you a clue. It gives you a clue as to the extraordinary power of this moment in history and of this point in time and space of this cross that we're singing about and we're thinking about this morning. That gives you a little clue as to the power of the cross. So we're going to look at the story. You can find it in Philippians chapter 2, page 1179 in the Church Bibles. Philippians chapter 2, if you've got your own Bible. And uh, this is verse 6 of that passage. Start to read with verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's look at the story. The one who was in very nature God, God the Son, who emptied himself and took on the nature, not of a a king, not of a high-powered official, but of a servant, and then humbled himself to become obedient to death to die on a cross. This is the heart, the soul, the beaten heartbeat of the Christian message. It has been for 2,000 years. And it was first announced to a world, the Roman world, where pride was everything and humility was nothing. We maybe don't realize this, but the idea of humility was a bad thing to the Romans. Humility only became a virtue after Jesus had finished with the Roman Empire. Before then, the very notion of somebody being humble was despicable. It was ugly. It was horrible. If you were humble, that proved that you were a bad person. If you were wealthy, attractive, powerful, that proved that you were a good person. The gods were on your side. And so, these first Christians went into the world speaking boldly about the cross of Jesus Christ and how the Son of God humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. They spoke about it and they sung about it. Have a look at that passage again. Why is it set out like that? Not in justified lines, but as though it was a poem. Because what you're reading is the words of one of the first Christian worship songs. The music's been forgotten, but like the Psalms, we've still got the words. They boasted of the cross of Jesus. Now, in the Roman world, in the world these people did it in, you could not build a bigger credibility gap into a new movement if you tried. We worship a God who became human and lived among us. What? You mean like Hercules and he did 12 labors? No. Like Jesus, who was skewered to a cross. You're kidding me. That can't possibly be right. God would never humble himself. Worse than that. Worse than that. The Son of God is hanging on a cross. And those first Christians were absolutely certain to point out that as he died, he cried out to God the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the message Jesus' friends took to this pride-loving, power-loving, sex-loving, money-loving world. By the time the last one of them died, towards the end of that first century, archaeologists reckon that there must have been knocking on for half a million Christians in the Roman Empire. In the course of their lifetime, they had, by their words and by their songs, shifted the center of gravity of history. And they did it by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because wherever they went, although this message went against everything everyone thought, it captured people's hearts and it brought them to their knees at this cross. And their lives were changed. And the world was changed. And it's never been the same since. Because when this cross is spoken about and sung about, it has the power to completely transform people's lives. Because on the cross, Jesus went to hell so you and I don't have to. My God, my God, why? That's what hell looks like. He bore our sins, one of his friends once wrote, in his body on the tree so that we can die to live, sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. That's what the cross is about. That's the power of the cross. So what have I meant to do with that? What has it got to do with me? Two things. He is the first. Believe it. Look in your mind's eye at this Jesus. Though he was in very nature God, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, a slave's death for you so that you don't have to face God's wrath against your sin, your failures, your shortcomings so that you can be forgiven. That's the power Of the cross. It brings forgiveness to anyone who offered the gift. Just says, yes, I'll have that. And believing is just saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I believe it's true. Yes, I believe it's for me. Can I be part of this please? Trust him. He can take... He's the only one who can take the weight of your life. I said two things. That's the first, believe. Here's the second. Look at the cross again. Not the one with Jesus on it, but the one laid on the ground, ready for Jesus to be nailed to it. Now pick it up. Put it on your shoulder and walk with it. Jesus said this, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. To pick up a cross and walk through the streets of a city was to demonstrate to the public, to anyone who was watching, your family, your friends, your boss, your work, passes by, you have no idea who they are to demonstrate to them that you are on your way to your own death, to your own execution. That sounds absolutely terrifying, doesn't it? It may well be that it leads to that. Just yesterday, in Nigeria, a group of armed men in a university in the north of the country. Are you a Christian? Yes. The Christians were separated out and murdered. It might come to that. But because of the power of the cross, death is not the end. Eternal life is real. And death is no more significant than a dose of the flu, actually. Probably even less significant than that because of what we'll be celebrating in part two on Easter Sunday, the resurrection. If you want to come after me, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What does that look like for most people? What does that look like for people who aren't separated out and shot? It looks like this. Have a look at Philippians 2 again. But this time, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then, this is verse 2, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus in your relationships with one another, within the family, within your friendship group, in the workplace, in church, everywhere you go, follow the example of Jesus who emptied himself of his dignity, emptied himself of his pride and status, and took humbly the role of a servant. You see, this is the power of the cross. The cross is the point of our forgiveness and the cross is the point at which we see a whole new way to live. And it looks like this. Have a look at verse 2. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. And you, I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, but you maybe find it difficult to love people. You find it easy. To dislike people. Maybe you find it easy to hate people. There's a bit of you, which is you, that hates others. The invitation of God's Word is for that part of you to heft the cross onto your shoulder and march off to its execution and nail that old man or woman to the cross and kill it by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the cross, to change people deeply from the inside out. That's what it looks like to take up your cross. That's what it looks like to follow Him. Have a look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And that's a problem for you, because you can't see your faults. You see other people's faults very clearly, but yourself. Not at all. You can't admit to your own faults. And you can tell that when you get into an argument with somebody. You will defend your position to the last, even after the point where you realize you're wrong. But you can't say it. Take that conceited self. That conceited version of you, which is really you. Pick up the cross and walk with it. Let yourself be nailed to it and let that die so that you can live. Do you see how the power of the cross changes people at the deepest, most wonderful level? Look at verse 4. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. And that's the problem because you come first. You've got to come first. Last, and in the middle as well. You must get your way. You've had sharp elbows all your life. And you're deft at elbowing other people out of the way. You're driven, and you're stressed because you're driven. And the invitation is that that part of you, that self, which is really you, it's not a stranger, it's you. Pick up this cross. And walk off to its own execution. And be nailed there. And die. And it really can happen. And it really does work. Every day, pick up this cross and walk with it. The cross is the place where you go with all the garbage in your life. The, place the, the cross is the place where I go with all the toxic waste that accumulates in my life and makes me so miserable, that makes me unlovable. And the cross is where I receive forgiveness and the cross, Christ's self-giving, self-abandoned love, is the place where I see that there's a new way to live. That is the power of the cross. So one of the first Christians, a man who never knew Jesus personally, but witnessed personally the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, a man called Paul, put it like this. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there's the invitation to us this morning. The first is to believe for yourself. Do it now. Not because your parents are Christians, or because your brother or sister are Christians, or because you come to church. None of those are great reasons. But because this is true, and because this is for you, the Son of God, loved you and gave himself for you. Trust him now. Do it now. And then pick up this cross and allow God through the rest of your life to kill off the toxic garbage and make you into someone full of love and compassion. Someone like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you that the Son of God was slain for us. Thank you that when we We trust it, our sins are forgiven. Thank you that when we pick this cross up for ourselves and learn the humility and self-giving of Jesus, wonderful things happen in our lives and we change. Help us, Lord, to embrace this for ourselves. In Jesus' name, Amen.